0: Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church, recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair.
1: Back when the pandemic was in its prime, I saw it as a big opportunity to sleep in, but I lost my work ethic. It felt like a big break from school and always gave me an excuse for not turning in my assignments on time. This was great until my mom, dad, and brother got sick. When they got sick, I was locked in my room for weeks. Unlike the disciples who were locked in a room, I loved it. I loved having time alone from everyone and everything. A few days after my quarantine was over, I woke up one morning and I was told that my father was in the hospital. Most of the time, I did not think too much about it because he always came back from a sickness or an injury like nothing ever happened. But just a few weeks later, my dad passed away. His passing made me doubt many things in life, including God and God's existence and even God's love for me. I wondered why he would let something so cruel happen to me and my family. I became unsure of my beliefs and unsure of my faith. When me and my mom first started coming back to church, it felt awkward, it felt awkward being there because of how I was feeling about God. It wasn't until I became an acolyte and started paying more attention to what I was hearing that my doubts started to go away. I started feeling more alive. I started feeling more alive and feeling both my dad's and God's presence everywhere I went. Going to church also brought me close with Jack to whom I consider to be a best friend today. Just a few months later, Jack would invite me to Happening. I had never heard of this weekend retreat, and I had no idea what it was, but I gave it a try anyway. Going to Happening is one of the best decisions I have ever made. It brought me closer to God and brought me new friends into my life. It was such an amazing experience. Even though I only knew a few people there, They all treated me as if they had known me for years, and we chatted about God as if we had all known each other for years. I had never been a part of something like that before. It wasn't until the healing service that I realized my true reason for being there. I I was meant to be there because God wanted me to feel safe and happy with my newfound friends. I believe that weekend was God giving me the clearest message he could about his love for me. To me, this is similar to how Jesus shows up to tell Thomas he is loved. I've had no type of doubt since that time at St. Columba, and I can feel my faith growing and shining through me more and more every day.
2: What a classic. If y'all don't know, that's another way of saying, I've never read this book before. (laughs) I kid you not. Sometime uh, last year, someone was asking me if I read the Bible, and I said, oh, yeah, what a classic. <laughs> now, now, that's not me saying I don't read the Bible. I know at least six disciples, and I could tell you the big man's birthday. I'm, I'm mostly joking. I do read the good book, admittedly, not as much as I should, but enough to allow myself to claim to be a Christian and not feel like I'm lying, because I am a Christian, I'm sure that we all know that one place where people say, you really got to be there to experience it. For some, it may be Disney World or Hawaii or a middle or a waterfall in the middle of nowhere. We could always hear about how good it is, or if you just want to see it, just Google it. It's the same thing, right? But being there, being in the presence of it is so much different. You might report this place to other people after you go see it, and when you go back and you say to them, oh, you just got to be there. For me, that place would be Calvary. Um, hold on, sorry. <laughs> now, sure, I have been to other places that have truly touched my heart and solidified my belief in Christ. Such as happening, but none of it would have been possible if I never went to Calvary I tell people how great Calvary is, and I show them photos of what it looks like, or I'll tell the homilies that I thought were interesting to my friends. Then my friends will think that they know what Calvary truly is, even if they haven't been. Just like Thomas, one of the twelve disciples, uh, he wasn't with the other disciples when Jesus came to them. So the other disciples told them, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see a mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and see my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said back to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Like I said earlier, we could look at all the pictures and read all the good things about an extraordinary place, but that doesn't mean we've truly experienced it. We act like we've been to that place just because we heard a compelling story from someone else, but we haven't. I feel like as Christians, we're so drawn to doing that, saying, oh, yeah, I've, I've been to that place of healing just because I've seen pictures or I've heard about it from someone else. You haven't. Someone else just said it, and you felt like, well, see, if I, if I see that other people are healed, then I'm healed, right? Isn't that weird? Calvary has taught me, yes, a relationship with God could be developed through seeing the love other people have received. But it's so much more genuine if you bring those people you love to Calvary so that they can hear and feel the love. Before I know it, Calvary will be nothing but a childhood memory, but the sound of the beautiful choir, the sound of the peace giving, and Reverend Scott always saying, please know wherever you are, wherever you come from, whatever joys or burdens you carry, you are always welcome at Calvary. That will carry me forever.
3: In many sermons, Thomas is shamed for his initial lack of faith. He is commonly seen as the disciple that doesn't have what it takes to truly walk with God, due to his skepticism and the return of Jesus. However, doubt is normal and even preferable to blind faith sometimes. Having doubts is a sign that Thomas was thinking carefully and deeply about his faith. Thomas apologizes for his doubt later and reaffirms his faith in Christ, showing that questioning does not make you less of a Christian. There have been many moments in the history of our faith where questions and doubt have been discouraged. In Spain during the 1500s, the average person would not want to question the Inquisition. Showing doubt in the work of your monarch was not a good idea at the time and might even land the questioner in the tribunal of the Holy Office of the Inquisition itself. In that time period, Diversity in the ways that people came to Christianity and lived out their faith was looked down upon, and sometimes even used as a pretext for discrimination. For example, in Spain at this time, many converts from Judaism to Christianity were not seen as real Christians. They were often interrogated, or worse, because they had once been Jewish. This troubling part of the Church's history serves as an essential reminder to us today, We must ask questions and encourage diverse expressions of faith. This openness to different mindsets and doubt and questioning makes the church a stronger, safer, more beautiful place. And for that, we have Thomas to thank. We all have our Thomas moments. We live in a scary world, one that constantly challenges both our faith and our fortitude. It is all too easy to doubt that God is there or that he even cares. In the past few weeks, we've weathered yet another mass shooting, this time in Nashville. How can we find God in the depths of these tragedies? How do we know there is still good in this world? Pondering the answers to these questions is not skeptical or blasphemous. On the contrary, thinking about these profound questions can deepen one's faith. These doubts are not only normal to have, they are essential to finding meaning in one's life and religion. When our fellow humans are harmed, we must think about how to prevent such a thing from happening again. At the same time, it is important to continue to find beauty and fulfillment in our own lives so that we can soldier on and push for change. So what are these beautiful things in our lives? Sunlight drifting through crepe myrtles, the smile of a happy toddler, a refreshing rest, all these small slices of life are what make us human and whole. These lovely little moments keep us going from day to day and questions and doubt may help us go in the right direction over centuries.
0: This past summer, if someone told me I was going to experience one of the most spiritual moments of my life, 9,000 feet in the air, on a windy and snowy mountain, I would have laughed. On that mountain, however, I witnessed something that was a real-life example of the love and care that Jesus had for his disciples and for all of us. In today's reading, Thomas also has a powerful journey in faith, where he is not left behind because of his doubts, but helped to make his belief stronger. I had a similar experience of enlightenment when I was training for Mount Rainier this past year. I was determined to take all the steps that I needed to take to get to the top of the mountain but I'd never really considered or encouraged the success of my teammates. When we were training, we were told that we would be climbing Mount Rainier with Conrad Anker and North Face athlete Andres Marin. These guys were climbing celebrities. They're both really highly respected in their field and very well known. When I heard that they would be accompanying us up the mountain, it strengthened my tunnel vision of only caring about my own success instead of the welfare of my team. During the climb, however, Despite being strong and fit, one of my coaches, Ellie, was having trouble on Rainier due to severe blisters on her feet. The moment we made it to the halfway point, it appeared that Ellie may not make it to the summit. My guides, however, immediately started tending to her without any hesitation. These world-class athletes who have summited hundreds of mountains and seen the entire world were kneeling before my coach and applying cream and bandages to her feet. It was humbling seeing these champion climbers caring for my coach when she was in a moment of weakness. They did not leave her behind or exclude her from her journey, even though she was having a hard time, much like how Jesus did not leave behind Thomas. In the passage, Jesus does not reprimand Thomas for doubting him and willingly shows him his scars. Thomas is helped along in his faith journey and encouraged to believe in the unseen. Like the transformation of Thomas, my faith has also been transformed by growing up here in Calvary's community. When I was little, I was far from what people would consider a well-behaved child. I would stuff my pockets full of snacks during Sunday school and cut up in choir, but Calvary was still here for me nonetheless. Every week, I would look forward to coming here on Wednesday nights and playing board games and hearing about everyone's week. Going on mission trips with the youth group and acolyting here are easily some of my core memories. Calvary has taught me the importance of always helping others, no matter the cost. The Calvary community nurtured me in my journey of faith, and allowed me to learn so much about myself as a person. But most of all, it has taught me that God loves you, no exceptions.